the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the podcast, a show dedicated to getting you to retirement, hopefully in chunks of time. Every five years, you should be seeing, I'm doing a little bit better. I'm getting a little bit closer. I look at it as distance running when I was younger. I used to love to run 10Ks. And uh, you kind of got to mark mile one in your head, mile two in your head. And you see it as a process. You don't get to the finish line until you get through mile five, so to speak. Yesterday, the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, the Dow had a glorious day. Um, fourth straight trading day of winning. And that's a winning streak, which is interesting and nice in a year that hasn't had a lot of winning streaks. And I'm okay with that. If you step back and take a look at a three, five, 10 year picture, you don't even notice this. That's the beauty of life is when you're 21 years old and you do something stupid and cop knocks on your dorm room, feels pretty dramatic. But in five years from now, you're gonna be like, did that really happen? Same thing with Wall Street. We have a, a way of learning perspective in life. Um, I've always, you know, I've, I've always tried to tell my children, this is no big deal. This will pass. The S&P 500 just climbed for its fourth straight trading day, tying it for its best winning streak of the year. Doesn't look like it's going to hit it today. We'll talk about the jobs report and much, much more. I think, think some very interesting news hit late last night. Shinzo Abe was assassinated. Japan's influential former prime minister has died after being shot while giving a campaign speech on Friday. It is a shocking event in a country where gun violence is extremely rare. Um, he was shot from about 10 feet away. It's one of those, did that really just happen moments in your life? Um, he showed no signs of vital signs on the spot. Gun violence in Japan is non-existent. Annual deaths from gun rates or annual deaths from gunshots of a country of 127 million people rarely get out of the single digits. Um, and the majority of those are tied towards organized crime. This is a political assassination, which I want to stay with that and not gun control. He was Japan's longest serving prime minister. He was hugely consequential. He led Japan from 2006 until 2020, essentially. Um, there was a period of time for five years where he didn't. He was known for his economic reforms intended to kickstart Japan's deflationary economy, dubbed Abenomics, and his attempts to reassert Japan's security capabilities after decades of pacifism. Japan has an issue in their country where they have a growing population, where they respect their growing population. Um, it's not like in the United States where we're like, well, you could retire at 62. No, you could retire at 65. No, you could retire at 70. You better have a better work for the rest of your life. <clears throat> Japan takes care of their seniors. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. I'm just throwing that down there. 
Abe was campaigning for a candidate running for the upper house of parliament ahead of elections on Sunday. All campaigns have been suspended following Abe's death, and it's unclear whether the elections will take place as planned this weekend. That on top of Boris Johnson resigned yesterday. It seems like politics are in the news. He was considered a populist right wing. Donald Trump was considered a populist right wing. Is there a connection? Is the world shifting their theme on politics? This is important because politics does come and does play on Wall Street more often than you think. As far as laws, as far as what we're going to do with big companies, as far as tax rates, what we're going to invest in infrastructure, what we're going to invest in protecting our own countries from other countries. There's a lot going on there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. The show is dedicated to getting you to retirement. Um, Interesting yesterday, Gavin Newsom said he wants the state to become the first in the country to produce its own brand of generic insulin. Um, I'm pre-diabetic. My mother was diabetic. Um, I'm not technically pre-diabetic, but I've gone through fits and I've come close. I need to control my weight. I need to control my sugar. But there's some crazy ideas here. And I like it. Um, I'm not going to say I'm pro-Newsome or anti-Newsome. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to say that California should make their own. California is the sixth biggest country in the world. If you you know cut it away from the United States. And insulin's crazy expensive. Trying to make prices more affordable for something that keeps you alive every single day seems intelligible. I know you're saying you're starting to slip in George Bush Jr. Make up your own words. Yes. 14% of U.S. citizens who use insulin say they spend a catastrophic amount on a life-saving drug. I know a 14-year-old young girl who has to use insulin and her family struggles because of the cost. Um, to the point that when I'm setting up my foundation, I've considered strongly to try to take care of people on insulin because I think it's a stupid thing that we pay a lot of money for. No, 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 no. I don't want to say it's a stupid thing. I want to say it's a generic recipe and it, it's being brutalized by corporate America for something that's generic. Other things that we need to move into as far as top stories of the day. Um, Elon Musk's deal to buy Twitter is in peril. Man, Elon Musk has had a news cycle this week, huh? Finding out that him and Grimes gave birth to their second kid via surrogate, and then finding out that just a couple weeks earlier, he's fathered twins from one of his subordinates. And uh, his his reply on the internet was, um, doing my best to save the world from underpopulation. How about don't sleep with your subordinates? Just asking. Then again, I'm not a billionaire. Not yet. Um, Some other stories to talk about. Bank of America's refugee turned banker to the ultra-rich Diga Nala. Uh, Talked about how she went from nothing to a $6.4 billion book of business and includes players for the Atlanta Hawks basketball team. I find her to be an interesting story. Um, and kind of inspirational. I'm not a TED Talks kind of guy. I tend not to find things that are like feel good, lovey. But every now and then you do see a rise of someone in business and go tip of the hat. Spirit Airlines um, 
shareholders are scheduled to vote today in a merger and acquisition companies proposed merger with frontier airlines um JetBlue is trying to interrupt the marriage what's interesting about that i like mergers and acquisitions i'm not crazy about the airline industry because we used to have 10 to 12 airlines just 15 years ago i'd get romantic i'd want to go on a trip and i can go to something like a trip advisor i can go to kayak and say uh new york to paris and all 15 airlines would show their their rates and they differed like golden clay that to divide is not to take away and then they started acquiring each other and now when you go to kayak and punch in new york to paris you typically see four competition is important 15 airlines is too many four is too few in my opinion my opinion means nothing keep that in mind um Biden's not calling me up asking for thoughts or ideas. Commodity prices have plunged back to pre-Ukraine war levels. Let me say that again. This is good news in the headline fight against inflation. Commodity prices have plunged back to pre-Ukraine war levels. So the idea is that there is hope that inflation might be fading. Oil prices slipped to four-month lows. Copper plunged 30% from highs. Wheat's cratered 40%. Not saying let's give Biden credit, but a couple months ago when people were picking on Biden for he's not controlling inflation, presidents can't control, control inflation. Not as much as you would want them to. Not as much as that executive order would help, you would think. With that in mind, Paul Krugman, he's a Nobel Prize winning economist. A lot of people hate him here's what I have in my heart. I don't have a lot of hate. You may not like, you may not say, yeah, that's the greatest. That doesn't appeal to me, but not hate. He said, fears of runaway inflation are hugely overblown and dismissed stagflation concerns too. Quote, not sure people realize how dramatically the runaway inflation narrative is now collapsed. Market expectations are way down. This is not setting the stage for a big market rally. But this is a flag on the way to a big market rally based on inflation as the big story in the first half of the year. In the last half of 2020, uh, 2021, the story was transitory inflation. Then it turned into inflation. Then it turned into inflation is going to lead to recession. I am glad that we're basically, the only thing you could say worse is that clowns are going to eat babies. We are throwing all the bad news. And that was, by the way, a scene in the book, It by Stephen King. That didn't make it into the movie because the world was not ready to see a baby being eaten by a clown. Um, so I think they turned it into a dove or something like that in the movies. But okay, so you kind of collect flags. You don't look for like, is it over? Is it safe to come out? Because it's never safe to come out. There's always going to be something. Elon Musk's $44 billion deal to buy Twitter is in peril. That's according to the Washington Post. Who spoke with three sources saying the takeover is facing serious jeopardy. Twitter stock dropped this morning on that news. I have no stake in Twitter. I have no stake in Elon Musk getting it or not. It is, it's a little surreal because the SEC has reason not to like Elon Musk. And will he be able to pull out of saying, I'm going to offer $44 billion for Twitter? I don't even have to see the financials. And this says, oh, I want to see the financials. I don't even have to see the metrics. And now he wants to see the metrics. This isn't a handshake deal in a baseball game. This corporate culture of Twitter has been destroyed 
with the thought of him taking it over. What was there will be replaced. If he backs out, what's it mean? Damn entertaining radio for the next couple of weeks. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. So I want to give you a little bit more on Twitter because it's a big headline story. Elon Musk planned to buy Twitter is in jeopardy again. And a little bit more about it. The social networking company Twitter yesterday had a call to talk about its measures and how it measures spam bots on the service. An issue that has become a significant factor and must plan $44 billion acquisition. Twitter says spam bots are a small part of the company's total user base, less than 5%. Musk believes the number is much higher. Number of spam bots on Twitter is well below the 5% threshold it mentioned in filings Twitter did. It calculates these bots using human reviews of thousands of random accounts each quarter. Um, I, I think I speak for us all on this. Wouldn't it be nice? And wouldn't the internet be a nicer place? And trust me, as a guy who's in financial media, if I read some of the social media posts about me, about people wanting to take screwdrivers and pop my eyeballs out, um, my spouse wouldn't let me do this. If I if she do those were out there, people are pretty hateful when they're anonymous. Um, but I've noticed in real life and real person, when you put a name next to them, uh, they, they try not to do the catfishing straight to your face anymore. They try not to hide behind something that they're not. They're not tough guys. Uh, Johnny Depp is coming back to Netflix, but only in France. Talk about cancel culture, right? France will put up with anything. Kidding, kidding. Don't get mad at me, France. Um, other stories of note, and this is a market that had a very good week. Keep in mind that we started with a holiday-shortened weekend due to July 4th. So far, so good for the stock market this week. Maybe not so much today. Treasury yields have moved higher. The two-year note is up to 3.1%. 10-year sits at 3.09%. That's a big move. We've kind of been yo-yoing between the 3.2 down to 2.8. Uh, 2.8 means we're scared out of our minds what's going to happen with the economy. 3.0, 3.1, 3.2. It's, we're like, hey, we're growing. Less chance of a recession. The employment situation report for June did nothing to deter the market from thinking that the Fed is going to remain aggressive on the rate hike path. So the Federal Reserve is going to meet in a few weeks. And in theory, they have a dual mandate, keep employment as full as possible and keep inflation somewhere between 2 to 4%. They can't do it all. They can't control Russian oil. They can't control Putin. Putin kind of gave an ominous message to Ukraine yesterday, not mentioning nukes, but I think that was the undertone. Of, if you want peace, do it now because wrath is about to be thrown down on you. Yeah, that sounds like nukes to me. And no one wins in that situation. Mother Earth would cry. People would die. It's not good. So let's take a look inside the employment report today. I still think this is a big headline. It's the first Friday of every month. It is the data that I look forward to. I feel I can make most of my investment decisions based on how employed we are in America. Or I feel like you can have a more confidence making investment decisions. Maybe something along those lines. The employment population ratio um, dropped a little bit 
the labor force participation rate uh, dropped a skosh. Average work week in June was 34.5 hours versus a downwardly revised 34.5 hours in May. This is important because you start getting it overtime and full, uh, full-time wages and overtime wages help the economy a lot. So manufacturing work week was flat at 40.3 hours. So people are there working as hard as they can. Overtime dropped um, to 3.2 hours from 3.3. When you see overtime, you know that we're humming. We're, we think there's demand for goods and we're making them. When you see companies report too much inventory, suddenly the factories slow down or shut down and no longer need overtime. When you're no longer getting overtime, you're no longer thinking about a fat trip to Hawaii. You're thinking about a, a nice trip to Utah. Little bit difference. The June unemployment rate was 3.6%. That is a stunning, great number. And it basically means the Fed has room to raise rates. I don't know if they need to because they just did 75 basis points in June. To do 75 basis points in July would seem a lot and it would potentially hurt the housing market. But maybe that's what the Federal Reserve's trying to do. Bring down inflation, not in higher borrowing costs to slow your purchasing, but to bring down some of the stock market frothiness and the housing market frothiness. Froth being technically defined in my head as a bartender who can't pour a beer. They pour a beer, they pour it straight in the bottom of the cup. Beer gets up to about 75% of the glass and the top 25% is just foam. And you're like, oh, okay, get a spoon, pull the foam out, continue filling it up on the side. And you feel like you're talking them through their job and no one likes that, right? But if the Fed Reserve goes after assets like stocks, um, I've lost millions of dollars in paper valuation. I'm not stressed, but I can tell you it's impacting my decisions and consumer choices for my family. I'm comfortable saying sometime in the next two to three years, I'll be sitting at an all-time high. I say two to three to be pessimistic. Realistically, it could be one to two. Or it could be never if a nuclear bomb hits New York City. It could be never. But I don't think a nuclear bomb's going to hit New York City. That's just my thought. And again, we didn't think Shinzo Abe would be assassinated. There's a lot of things that sometimes you count on that you shouldn't. So persons unemployed for 27 weeks or more accounted for 22.6% of the unemployed versus 23.2% in May. So that number's coming down. What really, really stinks about long-term unemployment, it reminds me of that Comcast commercial. Um, or is it a Hertz commercial? A Hertz commercial, there's a long line and it's because it's a long... You get the idea. When you're unemployed for a long period of time, you lose your savings. You lose, maybe you fall behind on credit cards or fall behind on a mortgage or rent. It is not attractive. I know people who love long-term disability. I don't know very many people, but I know one or two people who they like government paying them checks for doing nothing. And they pick up odd jobs like dog walkers and they make ends meet. Um, it is a really bad thing in the United States. The scourge of long-term unemployment has been a problem in our economic data for years and trying to get people not to take government money, but to go out and earn money on their own. You can earn a lot more that way in theory. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is the Rob Black Show. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning? 
tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. It's a special day. I get CFP Chad Burton on to answer a couple of emails to post you in the right direction of where his podcast can be found. He does a show here live on KDOW. It's easiest found on Google Play Store or Apple iTunes under New Focus on Wealth with CFP Chad Burton. He is a regional director, longtime friend, a longtime business partner, and much, much more. Chad, where does the world find you today? Where does the world find me? Chadburton.com. It's always, you can always find me there. More specifically, geographically, where in the world is Chad Burton? <laughs> gotcha. Well, uh, main office is Vancouver, Washington. So 20 minutes from Portland, Oregon. But most of my clients are in the Bay Area that I work with out of the, used to be in San Mateo. We moved that office to Redwood Shores, but we also now have offices in the East Bay, um, Berkeley area, Marin, Chicago, uh, Utah, Denver, so all part of EP Well. So we got a, a, over 80 certified financial planners, a team of analysts, and team of tax people, team of attorneys. So we've got it all. Yes, I like the expanding portfolio of product um, because people are getting into more complicated situations. And for the first time in a long time, people are dealing with market correction. I got an email that I want your help on, Rob. I've been following you for tr- probably 20 years. If he's been following me, he's been following you. He's valued and benefited from our advice. He thanks us for that. As of this month, he's now retired and he's recently moved my 60-40-401k and buy and hold portfolio to Vancouver and Fidelity. But as I'm just a little over a million, I've recently taken most of the money out of the market to preserve what I have. Let's stop there. Oof, yeah. um, this guy could use a financial planner first and foremost. Not always great to be getting your financial planning tuned up via radio or podcast, but we're honored that he's been a 20-year fan. So let's give him some thoughts here. Um, One million, or let's do the 60-40 portfolio first, because that's in the news. Is it is it dead? What is it? Uh, well, it definitely needs to be tweaked. I mean, okay. I can talk about that and how we're doing that for larger portfolios. But it's not just the 60-40 portfolio. If he's been listening since, you know, we've been talking about this since 1999, what do I always say? You know, right? You, you've got you've got to have three years worth of portfolio draws in cash. You just have to. Um, we've done all sorts of different you know, views of the stock market. You can do Monte Carlo simulations, you can do everything. But if you don't have that cash reserve, when you run into situations like we saw in, for example, 80, 81, and now where stocks and bonds go down at the same time, you, if you don't have cash, you, you don't have anything to draw on without locking in losses. That's why I've, I've constantly preached this because these, these, these situations happen. And I figured this out, you know, 19 years old. <laughs> I was majoring in engineering and math and starting to get into this business as I just looked at the stock market history. And I'm like, all right, well, we had three years in a row of declines right after the Great Recession when they, oh, the economy is doing well. Federal Reserve said, okay, we better raise rates again. And they kind of threw us into a recession. Um, then we had some bad years like 73, 74, where it took several years, you know, to recover. Like next two years was up 60%, but still took a little while to recover. 
Um, and then I, so I just like, all right, I've, I've looked at this and I'm like, okay, I'm, there's been three years in a row that's negative. So I, I know that once I retire, I want to make sure that what my, my port, not my expenses, but my actual portfolio withdrawals. So if you need a hundred grand a year and you're getting 50 from social security, you're going to take 50 grand a year from your portfolio. You need $150,000 in safe money in, okay. in FDIC well insured. No never really said it quite like that. Just so you know. And, um, so it's, it's not expenses, it's, it's draws, right. And, Got it. and some of the things that can affect that are, you know, pension income, rental income, certain amount of dividends and interest. So we, we get pretty into the weeds in the calculation of that, mm-hmm. but you have to have a, a situation where you can, if you, the market is declining, both stocks and bonds at the same time, it will absolutely recover. You just have to make sure you're not selling shares at a loss and locking in those losses and having fewer shares for the recovery. So it's okay to continue to take your dividends and interest on that 60-40 portfolio. And you're living off that, your social security, and your cash. And as long as you have that three years, you can usually make that cash last about five to seven years, depending on your situation, so that the market can recover. Um, I think it was like, you know, if you would have invested at the top of 2007 in a 60-40 portfolio, sometime late 2010, your portfolio recovered, right? Okay. That, was a, that was a deep one. That was the toughest one we went through. And now we're facing the toughest returns for a balanced portfolio that we've seen since 08 because the bonds are down at the same time. Stocks aren't down as much as they were in 08, um, but bonds are. So it's, it's, you know, man, I was looking at the Vanguard balanced fund, 60-40 fund the other day. It was like down 18% or so, which is pretty rough. So um, first of all, abandoning it now is a little bit silly because I think we're, you know, the majority of the way down um, facing a recession, working through a there's process. Certain, yeah. The, and the certain, there's certain areas, whether you look at price to book of the Russell or just small cap value PE ratios in general, that look very attractive already. And so this person, if they went to all cash should be picking a four to six month period where they average back into the proper portfolio. And maybe that's not 60, 40 anymore, Rob, maybe it's, you make sure you have your three years worth of portfolio draws in cash, like Marcus capital one, three sixty. And the rest of your portfolio is maybe, you know, 60, 30, 10, where the 10 is in alternatives, um, whether that be commodities or uh, private lending or direct, direct lending type products um, that, that you got, because you know, I mean, the bond market's not going to pay us a lot for the next few years. So another part of his question, it comes from John and he has been a long time listener. I've just Googled his emails. Um, he talks about his buy and hold dead, or I want to ask is buy and hold dead because he has a buy and hold portfolio. Has this recent correction made you feel maybe we need to question terms like buy and hold, or are you still set in stone that buy and holds? Okay. Um, it's, if you, if you're just buying and holding just the S and P 500, which has come tech heavy and you're essentially investing in like 50 companies in reality. Okay. Yeah. The Apple, Microsoft, Cisco, um, you know, Facebook, Google's, um, this, you know, some of those areas of the S and P 500, because it's much different than it was even 10 years ago in terms of structure and the companies involved in it. Um, then, then yeah, you're just buying and holding large cap growth and that's silly. I mean, to this, this year value has drastically outperformed growth. So you need to have, when you build a portfolio, it, it, you've got to have your structure correct. You got to have large cap, small cap, mid cap, international emerging markets. And with each of those categories, you have to have exposure to value and growth. 
uh, value is going to go down less in a, in a bad market and it's going to pay higher dividends. In a growth market, your growth stocks, or your growth ETFs, however you're investing, is you're going through a good phase in the market. Seven out of 10 years are positive. Those are the periods where you trim that area and replenish the cash that you're spending. So it's not buy and hold in retirement. It's where do I trim during the growth years to replenish the cash that I'm spending? We have under a minute. I want to ask one quick one in his email from John. He says, I do not want to go under a million. Um, again, a financial plan I think is heavily wanted for him or needed for him. But what do you think about that psychological behavioral thing? Under a million, over a million, under a million, over a million. Oh, I get it. I mean, it's like, um, you know, you're, Hey, I've, I've, I've got, a, I'm, I'm a millionaire just based on my retirement savings. Mm-hmm. And that's something that probably as a kid, you never thought you'd say, Fair enough. but just some diligent savings. He made it. You can find CFP Chad Burton. We'll be back for another round of questions at chadburton.com. He is with EP wealth as am I, he is a regional director and a CFP. I am not. He has a team of CFPs that can help with questions like this. You can find him at chadburton.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. It is always interesting the way the batch of email questions comes in with very similar themes when markets kind of change directions. We've gone from a stock market that was fueled by very low interest rates to a stock market that's dealing with higher interest rates. That's just one of the themes that's changing. Speaking with CFP Chad Burton, he is a regional director and certified financial planner. He is with EP Wealth. You can find him at chadburton.com or through the podcast world at Google Play Store, Apple iTunes app, or at the kdow.biz website, as well as chadburton.com. One of the themes that I'm seeing right now, Chad, are people who are retired, i.e. 60, 65 and older, um, trying to figure out what's next. Um, do I sit out the market? Do I come back into the market? But one of the better ones that I've seen recently is a 55-year-old man. He's single. He owns his own home with $350,000 in equity in California. He owes $40,000 on a vehicle, $7,000 credit card debt, $70,000 available credit. He's really detailed. I like that. He has a good concept of what he has and doesn't have. He makes 120K a year with a 5% increase annually. He's in the union. He has 500,000 sitting in a bank free and clear that isn't making any money. Uh-oh, Chad's not going to like that. But he's also met with two financial advisors who have tried to get him to invest in life insurance policies, which didn't make him feel warm and fuzzy. Any suggestions on where he's at, Chad, and how he can make that 500000 work for him other than calling CFP Chad Burton or finding Chad Burton at chadburton.com? Well, okay. So let's address the life insurance thing, okay. first of all, because if you go to somebody for financial advice and they try to sell you life insurance or annuities or something like that, they're not you know, fiduciaries. A fiduciary is supposed to act in your best interest and you're going to pay for that advice. And often what a fiduciary certified financial planner does is like, okay, here's three options. Let's say they could work for you and your family. Which one, this is the one that I might do, and, and, but which one feels better for you because you're a couple and, and everybody's different, you know, which, which, which option feels the best. And, you know, the group of my higher net worth clients, I mean, there's like maybe five that life insurance and an investment has, has worked for. Okay. And it's for those people that I'm done buying real estate rental properties. I've, I've got plenty of stocks. I don't want any more bonds. 
And I want kind of a, a, a spot between stocks and bonds in terms of an asset class. And, and there's some really low load uh, index universal life that it could make sense. And it's very few and far between, Rob. I mean, it's usually maybe the top 1% of the population in terms of earnings power. Um, unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of this like on social media where it's swung from pumping cryptocurrency to pumping this life insurance as an investment because of, you know, the market's down and, and index certain index products offer you potential for upside of the S P 500 price move without any downside risk. But there's a lot of fees and, and things like that involved in those products that uh, you know, you've got to do a lot of reading to understand. And so it is very important that you, if you go to get a financial plan for somebody, the first thing they do is try to sell you life insurance. You, you, you run, <laughs> you just, it, it's not the proper relationship. I noticed a couple um, more things in his email while you were talking there. He said he's met with two financial advisors, which is not a certified financial planner. Can you tell me the difference between a financial advisor and a financial planner? Yeah. I mean, you can get a serious, what is it? 65 license and which, you know, almost any decently smart person could study for, for 30 days and get that license. And it's really about, it doesn't even help financial planning. In my opinion, it's like kind of old laws <laughs> that, that you have to learn about in for the business. And then all of a sudden, Hey, you're a financial advisor, but unless the person is a certified financial planner where they've gone through the coursework and taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, they have to have a bachelor's degree, submit a financial plan, take a, an exam that's got a 55% national pass rate. So it's very difficult. Um, and then have three years experience. Typically uh, they're certified financial planner, but even some CFPs deal with commission. So you have to have a certified financial planner that will state in writing that they're a fiduciary fee only, no conflicts of interest. And that's when you're going to get true financial advice. Another thing I noticed in his email, $7,000 credit card debt for a 55-year-old man um, with $500,000 sitting in a bank free and clear. That seems to be something you would jump on. Well, yeah. I mean, get rid of the credit card debt. That doesn't make any sense. Um, and then, I mean, you've got, think, you know, you've got like Ally, ALLY, you got Capital One 360, you got Marcus, um, even what I think it was at lending tree or you know, whatever that loan company has turned into an FDIC insured bank. Hmm. You can go to uh, like bankrate.com or nerd wallet. And they typically have a list of the highest yielding FDIC insured online savings account that you just tie to your existing checking account. You can get a lot higher interest rate on it. And then, you know, the next step is to say, okay, here's how much I need in, in cash, which is in retirement or five years from retirement, three years worth of what your projected portfolio draws are going to be. And the rest you average into a portfolio and pick a period of time of, of four to six months. And if the market has a further correction, accelerate it. But if not, don't, de don't, don't get scared and slow that dollar cost averaging in. Just continue to move forward and get reinvested into a proper portfolio and not just a 60-40 portfolio. The old 60-40 portfolio of 60% S&P 500, 40% bonds, that, that is debt. That's not going to get you to retirement. You got to be a little bit more specific um, than that and have some alternatives in there. Things like uh, you know, re real estate, things like um, direct lending or private debt, uh, commodities, something like that. We'll have to um, talk about direct lending another day because people are asking me for cash and I just get nervous on that one. 
and they're legitimate businesses, but I get nervous. Um, another well, thing I saw, huge. Like, yeah, that's I, a big, that's a big area now. Let's focus back on that in a week or two. Cause I think that would be a great show because it's something I know nothing on. But another thing I saw in his email, his name's Robert, by the way, he's 55. He owns a home. He's got a vehicle, credit card debt. But what is interesting to me, um, he's got $350,000 in equity, $500,000 sitting in a bank. Ultimately, he's not invested in stocks. He says, I'm unfamiliar with stocks and I've met two financial advisors. Do you know what a tragedy his life has been financially speaking because he's 55 and he's never owned stocks, it sounds like? And he's got 500000 He could have done very, very well for himself. Well, what's interesting is I've, you know, know somebody that's, you know, in the process of in halfway through selling their company for well over $60 million and they've created two uh, companies, but are still unfamiliar with stocks. And, and so kind of the way you explain it, well, you know, you're buying a piece of a company and mm-hmm. a business owner, you know, they can look at a PL, a profit and loss and kind of help value their company and figure out what they can get for it. I'm like, we're doing the same thing with stocks. You're looking at, you're looking at the profitability of a company and valuing it and, and being able to say, okay, this is what we think it's going to be worth in the next three to five years. It is a tragedy. I mean, that, 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 that money needs to get put to work for them because we are going to be in a period of higher inflation and we're not going to keep running at eight and a half percent plus, but with deglobalization, you need to be invested in stocks and other assets in order to beat inflation and maintain your purchasing power. He's a good person to potentially contact you because now is a good time to have cash looking how to figure out how to deploy it. You can find CFP Chad Burton on the internet, on podcasts, on radio. You can go to the Google Play Store, Apple iTunes app, CFP Chad Burton. His show is called New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. He's a regional director and a longtime friend and a business associate uh, with EP Wealth and myself. You can find him at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is The Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.